It's good to be here with you all. What a joy, a privilege once again to come up on the mountain and certainly to share with you all the word of God. Put this thing off here. I'm wearing my colors, I'm representing. I got thought there was something underneath here. Well, there you go. Can we get a do-over for 2020? I mean, is there a reset button that we could hit? Because 2020 has been a beast. I mean, worldwide pandemic, right? I mean, worldwide, not local, not one nation, worldwide pandemic. People afraid to go outside, to go do things they love to do. Churches, of all things, are not fully open and many are closed altogether. You're sitting out there wearing masks. Outside, racial unrest in our country, dividing this nation clearly once again. And not just this nation, it's the racial unrest is even dividing the church. We're struggling with the legacy of racism and white supremacy in this country and with the effect of that upon minority communities, in particular black communities, African-American communities, and certainly Native American communities as well. Economic downturn because of the pandemic. I mean, stores that and corporations that we've depended on for generations are closing their doors. In Chattanooga, we had tornadoes this year. I mean, really? I, I moved from Miami from Hurricane Alley into a tornado alley. I, I know two, at least two families that lost their homes altogether here in, down in Chattanooga. Even hurricanes. This has been one of the busiest seasons for hurricanes striking this country. The Gulf has been hit time and time again. Wildfires in California. Cali is being hit. My daughter, one of my daughters lives in Oakland and there have been many days where she could not even go outside because the air quality was so bad from the wildfires that have been burning out of control in California. And then one more thing. A very contentious presidential election dividing this nation and churches once again. Hanging in the balance, the Supreme Court. We have a dear lady right now being examined, Judge Barrett. Should we expand the Supreme Court? Should we, oh no, what's gonna happen in the Supreme Court? Will Roe Ro v. Wade be overturned if we get too many of those folk on the court? Political fears. What's going to happen to our nation if President Trump loses, or what's going to happen if he's reelected? And again, churches are being divided. Maybe even some of you are having some really hard conversations among yourselves and maybe even among your own family members. What do you do? What? This is instability. 
What, how do we get stabilized? How do we as the people of God get stabilized in the midst of all this craziness? We can't get a do-over. There's no reset button on life. We got to deal. But how are we going to deal as God's people? We, we should want to deal as God's people. We should want to deal according to the word of God, not according to how the culture says or the culture is dealing. But how do the people of Jesus deal with this kind of rank instability and craziness? That's my question. And I think... As I prayed about this, I think one text jumped out at me. It's, it's a text you all know, probably. But one text kept jumping out at me. It's Isaiah chapter 6. Let me just read these familiar words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of heaven. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! For I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Keep in mind the context, and, and, and I think you understand why this passage grips me, and I pray the Lord will use it to grip you as well. Uzziah, the king, or otherwise known as Azariah in some places, he had made Judah which is the southern kingdom of Israel, he had made them great again. He reigned for 52 years. That's 13 terms for a U.S. president. Can you imagine having a president, any president, for 13 terms? That's Uzziah. They have become a, a military power under his reign and extended the borders of Judah. They were sitting pretty under his leadership because the Lord helped Uzziah. But there was a problem. Uzziah got proud and got arrogant and affronted the holiness of God and he thought that he could just walk into God's presence and so he thought he could offer incense. He took the role of a priest. He he was feeling his oats. He was like, I, I got this. I can do anything I want. And he goes into God's presence. And the Bible says he was struck with leprosy. So for most, for a good portion of his life, Uzziah is reigning, but he's a leper. Because the way was not open. God had determined who comes into his presence. And it was limited to certain priests. And Uzziah transgressed. 
his arrogance. But yet God was still with him. Behold the grace of God. God was still with him and still blessed the nation. But here at the end of his life, at the time of his death, Judah has fallen into immorality. Just go back to Isaiah chapter 1 and you'll get the idea. Falling into immorality, oppression of the weak, and even idolatry. So things were in need of reformation and revival. So when he dies, what do you think is happening when he dies? One, political unrest. After a 52-year reign where he was mighty and strong, what's going to happen now? Will we get a strong king? Will we get a, or a weak king? Remember, they had extended their borders, right? So now the vassal nations are one political. Now we talk about potential national unrest. Now the, the 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 vassal kingdoms are thinking maybe we can flex our muscle. Maybe we can get from under the yoke of Judah and begin. So so his death brings. Political unrest in the nation and potential national unrest, but also religious unrest. Because, as you know, whenever a king of Israel dies, was that king a good king? He led them to the Lord. Or a bad king and led them away from the Lord? What will happen now? Will there be, will Jotham, his son, lead them to the Lord? If he's going to be king, he does become king, by the way. But he's not his father. Or will there be a pull, in a, a continual downward slump into idolatry, which is already starting to take place? So there's all this unrest in the nation. Maybe some similar to ours in some sense. So what does God do? What does Isaiah need to, to fulfill his call to be the voice of God to his nation, to his community? What does he need? Because he's worried. He's concerned. What he needs is to see the majesty and the glory of his God. The king is dead, or is he? Or is he? It does, does it matter ultimately who's on the throne? Of course it matters, but ultimately does it matter? Isaiah sees that ultimately it doesn't matter. Ultimately. Because there is a king who is reigning... To you, let's bring it to our language. There is a president who's not elected, who is reigning over America, over your city, your state, over your family. There is a, a king, there's a president who is reigning, who, 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 who is not subject to the ballot box, who's not subject to a Senate, who is not subject to a Supreme Court. There is an ultimate Supreme Court, and it is not in Washington, D.C. There's a court in heaven 
that is reigning over the earth and over our lives as a people of God right now. No matter what is come pandemic or election woes or whatever, there is a king, there is a president, there is a God. Have you forgotten? I think we've forgotten. I'm, I, I listen to you and others on social media and I think we've forgotten. We've forgotten that America is not the kingdom of God. Oh, it's a set subsection because God reigns over it all. But the kingdom is stable. The kingdom is strong. Where are your eyes? He sees God sitting upon a throne, unperturbed, not wringing his hands, not worried. He is sitting upon his throne, reigning and ruling in the midst of Uzziah's pain, in the midst of Judah's pain, in the midst, in the midst of America's unrest and injustice and justice and whatever is going on in the midst of the pandemic, epidemic, and panic. Do you see the king? He's surrounded by his supreme court. <laughs> Seraphim, meaning flame-like beings, beings, angels hovering around him. And what are they doing up there? This got a, it's antiphonal. It's, it's one side is yelling, holy, holy, holy. And then the other side is yelling, the whole earth is full of his glory. Can you see them? Can you see them? Can you see the glory of God? Can you see him sitting on his throne and, he, and, and the angels are declaring who he is? Holy, 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 the only attribute of God that's, that's given the third power in all of Scripture. It's only repeated one other time in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, at the end of the Bible. We're reminded that God is three times holy, meaning that holiness is at the center of his being. Everything about God is holy. His love is holy. His justice is holy. His righteousness is holy. His wrath is holy. What does holiness mean? Well, of course, it certainly means moral purity. It means that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. He, he can be dependent on. He can be trusted. He does not speak with forked tongue. He doesn't make promises like politicians and then fail to keep them. He's morally pure. He has of such pure eyes, he can't even look upon sin. That's good news, saints. That's, that's a God we can put our faith in. But notice also, the word holiness means God is other. He is other. He is a cut above us. He is transcendent. That means there's nothing in all of creation like him or that you can compare him to. So when you look at one another, and we tend to do that, we tend to make God in our own image. And the Bible refutes that. He made us in his image. But we tend to look at each other and we, and we think that God is like us. He's not like us. He is, all, he, he is so holy that if he did not stoop to reveal himself, you and I would never understand him. We couldn't comprehend him. That's how, that's how above and beyond us he is. But he does stoop. 
And he stoops when, when the Bible says the whole earth is full of his glory. He is mad. Listen, look around at all creation. And God is saying, I am present. I am in control. The sun will come up and go down according to my will as it is. Pandemic will come. Pandemic will go. How can you not walk around this campus and see the glory of God? How can, you, how can you not look at human beings even, even those who vote differently than you two, and recognize that human beings bear the image of God, you see his glory? All human beings. All cultures. Fallen, yes, but the image of God, the Imago Dei, is present. The whole earth, all of Revelation, reveals the greatness of his works. His, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Do you see it? Can you see it? You see, for all those who have eyes to see, God is yet revealing his majesty and glory and his holiness right now in the midst of this. And he's doing it that his people might know him and have stability in the midst of unrest, in the midst of fear, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of anger. Because I'm angry. I tell you the truth, I'm angry. I'm tired of the racial foolishness of this nation. I'm sick of it. It's evil. I'm, 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 I'm tired of fighting with my brothers and sisters over politics and, and all that. And, 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 and because you're voting that way, you can't be a Christian if you're voting that way. You can't be a Christian if you're voting that way. What kind of foolishness is that? As if the political scene is that simple. That's simplistic thinking, not, not good biblical sense. We're arguing, we're dividing, we're, we're splitting, and, and we're sinful, we're worldly. That's what's happening. We're just like everybody else, and we're the people of God. We're falling apart. Who's going to win the election? Oh, 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 oh my gosh. What if Biden wins? Oh, 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 the nation's going to go to the dogs. Oh, oh, oh. Foolishness! What, what if Trump wins? <gasps> Not four more years of that man. We're doomed. And you know some of your parents are feeling just that way. You know it's true. And you by definition may be falling under that too. Do you see the Lord? Do you see the Lord? You haven't before, but, do you, but maybe today. Maybe today we can be a new beginning. Do you see the Lord? And notice when Isaiah sees the Lord, something happens. This is beautiful. When he sees the Lord, he recognizes the grace and the mercy of God. 
is needed for him. What did he say? Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. We need this, saints. We need us to be humbled and begin to confess our sins before the Lord. Because listen, while you're telling other people they're wrong, you're wrong too. Self-righteousness is an evil that permeates the church if we're not careful. And we're so easy to anathematize one another, to call one another accursed. And we're pointing the fingers and we're attacking those people and those people and never realizing that we are sinful and in need of God's grace right now because you haven't seen the Lord. When you see the Lord, you're humbled. You can still speak the truth in love, but you speak it in a very different way. All the arrogance and the vim and the fire behind your keyboards, it's because you haven't seen the Lord. And your self-righteousness is killing you and killing your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just you, I'm talking to you, but it's, I'm talking beyond you. He cries out, I'm a man of unclean lips. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. His lips represents what's in his heart. Uh, he sees his sin, and then he says something pretty cool. And I live among a people of unclean lips. My tribe is sinful. Your tribe, your family, your, your political tribe, your racial tribe, whatever, you, whatever tribe you are part of, are people of unclean lips, just like you. Where's the repentance? Where's the confession of our own sins? Where is it? Where's the humility and crying out for mercy and grace and dependence upon the Lord? Where is it? It's not present, why? Because we haven't seen the Lord. We haven't seen his glory. We're looking at people. We're looking at problems. We're looking at other things, but we're not looking at him. It is only when that happens that, and, 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 and the Lord sends grace. Notice what happens. The angel takes the tongs, brings a coal, touches his mouth, and the purity, the heat, the, 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 the power of the redemption of Christ cleanses him. Because that altar is only a picture of the altar to come where Christ will be sacrificed for the sins of his people. His sacrifice would do away with that altar. His sacrifice would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We go back to the gospel and we recognize as we, we behold the greatness and the holiness and the majesty of our God and reverence and awe. We fall before him acknowledging our sin, the sin of our tribe. We cry out to him for cleanse me, O Lord. Where are the people crying out for cleansing? God is merciful. 
For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the sacrifice, the burning sacrifice of Christ. You see, until all this happens, you're not ready to go and speak. We should keep our mouths shut, keep our key, close our keyboards because we're not ready. If we haven't seen the glory, if we haven't seen the majesty of the Lord, if we haven't seen God and his great holiness and, and, and falling before him and repentance and faith, if we haven't done that, we're not ready to open our mouths. It is only then that God says, looks around heaven, as it were. It's kind of nonchalant. I can almost miss it. He's, he's just going, who will, who will go for us? He talks to the seraphim. Who, who do you think will go? I mean, he's just, it's like it's nonchalant. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. But Isaiah, Isaiah's like, what? No one's going. Me. I'm your man. I'm your boy. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. Why is that? Because he has been cleansed. He has seen the glory of God and lived to tell about it because God has shown him mercy and grace. And now, only now, is he able and ready to speak on behalf of the Lord. Too many of us are speaking and we haven't seen the glory. And so we're speaking in fear, in anger, in panic. We're saying things we ought not say. We're saying things that go against the word of God. We're hurting one another. We're not sensitive to one another. We're not humble because we haven't seen the glory and we're opening our mouths and all we're doing is doing damage in the name of our cause. And it's not the cause of the kingdom. Don't delude yourself. We need this vision. And we need it desperately. So how do we get it? You know, God must give it. You, God must, this is great. God must give this vision. God must reveal himself in his matchless glory. How do we, how do we get this vision? Well, can I just tell you the simple, simple words? Pray, pray, and pray. I got a few more statements, but that's the start there and end there. God must give division to our souls by his spirit so that we will see it doesn't matter who ultimately occupies the White House or Supreme Court because when God sends revival, he will not be stopped. When God pours out his spirit upon the church and he and wakens us and the dry bones begin to live because we see the majesty of God, we will not be able to keep our mouths shut and then we, God will use us to affect our, our cities, our neighborhoods, our families, and our countries in a way that you haven't seen before. He will not be stopped. And it won't matter who's in the White House. It won't matter how much Christian freedom. Look at China, y'all. The gospel has been exploding in chi communist China for decades. And people are, listen, and they live under great restrictions. 
You can't stop God when he's moving. So we need to start praying that we would see his matchless glory in Christ. We would see him, see his holiness, repent of our sins and cry out to him so that he would pour out his spirit and then we're ready to go. You won't be able to stop yourself. Go with what? The message of the gospel. Not the message of republicanism or, Demo or democratism. Not the, but the message of the good news of Jesus. So that people might be transformed. That systems might be transformed. That organizations might be transformed. We'll put Black Lives Matter to shame in the church because they will see in the, in the church of God that black lives and all lives matter because they matter to Jesus. We'll put them to shame. We'll put them to shame because they'll see within the church Republic, people who vote Republican, people who vote Democrat, coming together and loving each other across those lines, even though they may have debates with one another, friendly debates. But they'll see what they can't have in the culture. They'll see it in us because the Spirit of God brings unity and love of God, even though we have to have some hard conversations. But there'll be repentance among us and humility among us. Pray. Jesus said, pray, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That will be our priority. The work of God, the kingdom of God, the glory of God, the majesty of the Holy Father. Until we have a vision, we're not there. And again, I said the thickness and repent. Right now, right now, I, I would pray that this week there would be prayer and repentance among you, that you will get together in groups crying out to God. Repent. I remember my, my children were little, they were in a Christian school, in their high school, and I would ask them, I say, hey, you guys are all Christians. Do you all ever pray together besides chapel? and meals, and whatever. And my daughter said, no. Can I ask you a question? Do you ever pray together outside of stuff like this? Do you, where is, is there repentance? Are you praying for one another? Are, are, you, are you coming to one another, confessing your sins, asking for people to pray for you? Is there repentance and prayer among you? Faith. Is your faith in the arm of flesh? The Bible says the arm of flesh will fail you. The arm of flesh in the White House, the arm of flesh in the Senate, the arm of flesh in the Supreme Court, the arm of flesh in your own family will fail you. But the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. What arm are you leaning on? Where's your faith? And will you trust his word? Will you call upon God's promises? Will you call upon God to keep his promise? Will you call upon him? 
Will you go to the word more than to your Twitter accounts and your new and your social media outlets and your and your and your and Fox News and or CNN? Will you go to your the word of God and let the word of God govern your thinking and and cover your mind rather than these other things that so many of us are running to and we're listening and watching? Ooh, and we and we and do you, do you understand that when you go on the social media, they give you what you want to hear? They follow what you like, and they only show you what you want to see based upon tracking your ideas. You're being watched, and you're being set up. You got to go to the Word to behold the glory of God in Christ. Let me end here because this passage is actually repeated in John chapter 12, it's repeated, the negative portion is repeated actually because Isaiah is told to preach the word to the covenant people, to the people of God. And God says they won't hear. They won't hear. If you get a chance to read down in verse 9 and 10, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes. Listen, that was, they were willfully deaf and blind to the word of God. And God says, okay, I'm going to harden them. I'm, you preach the truth, and they're not going to believe. John, John chapter 12 repeats this. Jesus, now watch this. John says, Though Jesus did all these signs, they still didn't believe in him. They still didn't trust his word. So the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what, what, what he heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes, hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. He's quoting from this passage right here in Isaiah. Now watch how he ends it. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who is the his and the him? He's talking about Jesus. When you turn to Isaiah 6, what you are seeing is the majesty of the eternal Son of God. What you are seeing is Christ pre-incarnate. What you are seeing is, is him who now is the glory of God in human flesh. When you look, when you want to be transformed, when you want to be stabilized, when you want to experience stability in these tough times and difficult times, where do we look? We look to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We stare into the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus and we say, Lord, I believe. Help me to follow you. And family, you will find peace for your soul. You will find rest. Anywhere else you look, you will be unstable. You'll be agitated. You'll be terribly angry. You'll be fearful. And that is not the legacy that God has given us in Jesus. That is not for us. Don't fall into the trap of Israel and turn deaf ears to the word of God. 
hear the word of the Lord in Jesus and be blessed and bear witness, bear witness to his reality in these unstable times. Amen. Should I pray? Father, help us. Forgive us, Lord, for looking more to the culture and to the world for our hope and stability. Forgive us for putting our faith in politicians, in movements. Forgive us, Lord, for the sin in our hearts, the arrogance, the self-righteousness. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Forgive us for our fear. We are worldly. Will you not cleanse us? Give us vision. Give, help us to see you. Help us to behold your majesty and your glory. May we fall before you in reverence and awe and repentance and faith, trusting in Jesus alone. And may we bear witness to him. May we take his message to a crazy culture. Use us for your glory. Here we are, Lord. Send us. But first equip us. Equip us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ go with you all. Amen.